Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar, uh, usually in Toronto, but sometimes in other cities. People give lectures on all kinds of subjects, with the one restriction being that they cannot lecture on subjects on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. Uh, after each lecture, we take questions from the audience. Uh, Trampoline Hall, as you know, is a, is a, it's a live show that takes place in Toronto. And in Toronto, we've been doing it pretty much every month, pretty much regularly, pretty much since the dawn of time. The podcast uh, up until now has been irregular. It's been in all kinds of different schedules. And I think as I've been telling you, if you're a regular listener, you'll know we're about to make another change to our scheduling, which is uh, for the past while we've been doing monthly episodes. The change that we're going to do now is we're going to move to like short seasons. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a few weeks off and then we're going to come back and we'll do six episodes, uh, one, one, one a week for six weeks. Then we'll take a few weeks off. We will keep doing that uh, for a while. That's our new format. Uh, so this will be our last episode of the monthly format and our new season will be starting on May the 8th. So if you want uh, to come back, you can come back on May 8th and then we'll have a new episode every week. Uh, waiting for you. So that's something for you to know. Also, of course, if you like this, if you like the podcast and you are in Toronto, come see the show. Uh, the best way to find out about it is to go to our website and sign up for the email list and we'll tell you when the shows are. Uh, that's all for that. And now let's go to this episode's lecture. Uh, it does contain mature language. Uh, the topic of the lecture is Hasidic speed dating and the lecturer is Jesse Brown. <laughs> About a couple, uh, two months ago, I guess, um, circumstances, a family crisis actually brought me to Jerusalem for four days. I was there to take care of my grandparents, escorting them and restaurants and the hospital back to the hotel and the homes of our very orthodox relatives. And um, by the third night, uh, a Saturday night as it happened, I was, I was kind of worn out. I'd been cooped up, but also very emotionally drained and in this strange country. And um, I, I, I brought my grandparents back from the, uh, from the hospital, and we, we had dinner, and I saw them to their room for the evening. And, um, and I, I went back to my room and, and uh, had a shower and then proceeded down to the hotel bar to see if I could get laid. <laughs> and that's when I stumbled into the biggest meat market of hot young Hasidic singles in all of Israel. Be, now, before I, before I set the scene for you of what um, a, a Hasidic dating scene looks like, I, 
I want to tell you about the um, the elevator that took me there, which might seem banal, but for reasons that will become clear later, was was actually rather important. I, I uh, the, the elevator was functioning normally, uh, which was surprising to me because throughout the Sabbath, the elevator had been stopping at each floor. You couldn't press the buttons if you tried, and they would just stop at each floor and open whether or not anybody had to come on or get off. And I, I found out later that this had to do with uh, the Sabbath you're not allowed to work. And somehow the pressing of buttons is connoted with working. Um, now, I would think that it's more work to take the stairs, but no. So, but what was most interesting to me was that it was okay to use an elevator um, as long as you had programmed it to stop at each floor, which is very annoying for any secular people in the hotel. Um, think of it as a loophole in, in Jewish law, and the principle of loopholes would become relevant to me as the night, <laughs> as the night progressed. <laughs> so the David Citadel Hotel in downtown Jerusalem has a very modern lobby. It's um, a very modern hotel, very, it's, it's upper scale, and there's a sushi bar, a kosher sushi bar, and there's, um, there's a piano player playing jazz standards, and you know, every square foot uh, they, they brought in from earlier in the day when there was nothing, they brought in these little intimate tables for two, and everywhere there are these hussids on dates. And um, what, what is going on is a phenomenon, well, it's been going on for a long time in a different form, it's called shiduch, shiduchim, uh, matchmaking. These are blind dates, these are setups, and you know, the fiddler on the roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, this happens. Um, Traditionally, uh, you know, and I know what you're saying, you're, you're, you're saying, but wait a second. Doesn't Hasidic interpretation of Jewish law hold the principle of Yehud that... <laughs> a young, uh, unmarried men and women are not allowed to be in private with one another at any time? And you're right. <laughs> But a hotel lobby is not alone. So loopholes, okay? Uh, the way a shiduk would normally go is you get this third party, this matchmaker, to look at your denomination. There's many sub-denominations within Hasidism, and you know, they'd match that up with your family status and um, with what, what your parents did, and your politics. Like Some Hasids are, are very pro-Israel. Some of them don't think that the Jews should, it's God's country and the Jews should not be in charge of Israel. And there's all these different factors, one of which is the personality of the people you're setting up, um, which they don't, as I understand it, they don't determine. By the way, are there any Hasids here to correct me if I don't? <laughs> good. Um, yeah, so, you know, they'll ask your rabbi and your family about you, and, um, you, you know, before you know it, you'll find yourself, um, you, you, this is why it's not an arranged marriage. You get to meet the person, and you got veto rights. You can say no, and typically you meet them in the presence of your rabbi, your family, and you can meet them a couple times and see if you like them or not. Um, and therein lies the opportunity for a loophole. Um, if it's okay to meet, uh, then in, in a public situation, then why not in a hotel lobby? And if it's okay to meet a few times, then why not five or six times? And uh, as I would learn, some people date for, you know, four or five months, um, always in a public setting. And uh, which is not to say that they're not under supervision. I call this uh, presentation Hasidic speed dating because, not because they go from table to table meeting different people, but because some of the dates take as little as three minutes. <laughs> if I were set up on a blind date and I didn't like the looks of the person or it just was obvious that it wasn't going to work, I'd still have to go through the motions of the date. But as the uh, manager of the David Citadel Hotel told me, um, often there'll be a rabbi or a family member watching the whole thing, uh, ostensibly for the purpose of making sure these people don't touch each other, which leads me to the conclusion that Hasids are obsessed with sex. Um, <laughs> But 
um, if the guy or girl doesn't like the looks of their partner, they'll give like a little signal and the rabbi or the uncle will walk over and take them away, which <laughs> seems really fucking harsh. Um, bad, bad manners. Um, so I also mentioned that these were hot young Jewish Hasidic singles, and I wasn't lying. These are, these are some good-looking Jews. <laughs> I mean no disrespect to our Hasidic community here in Toronto. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they have their lookers among them. But this was a whole different story. The guys, they were wearing the black hats, but these were like, these were nice black hats, you know? <laughs> like, I wish I had a black hat like this. And the suits were tailored, and um, the girls were gorgeous. Um, they're, they're, uh, uh, as you know, is the practice of modesty in dress. Uh, modesty in all things, but as applied to dress, women are not allowed to show any skin. And, you know, they, they don't. They're wearing these form-fitting gowns from head to toe, but there's nothing in the Torah about high heels. <laughs> so they're all wearing high heels. And they're made up to the nines, and their hair is beautiful, and like, there's just a certain kind of like, reserved glamour. They look like they should be accepting an Oscar in 1954 or something, and they're meeting these guys who are just lounging in these suits. It was just really, it was a cool scene. And um, I would later find out that these, these are the upper crust of the Hasidic community, and my, my cousin Michal told me that uh, they're what's referred to as Haredi yuppies. Uh, already meaning uh, ultra-religious. Um, so, you know, th they were intimidating to me, but, which is not to say that they didn't look like they were completely fucking nervous. I mean, when you consider that they're all virgins and they are not allowed to socialize with members of the opposite sex, and they very well might be meeting, not only socializing for the first time with a member of the opposite sex, but one who very well might be their spouse for the rest of their life, uh, they're understandably quite nervous, and the guys are just... I, I, I was noticing this one couple where the guy was just squirming in his seat waiting for the girl to come. He looked like he was like 18 or 19. And uh, she finally shows up and she doesn't even take her coat off. She's sitting there with him. Uh, so naturally I approached them. <laughs> and uh, we got to talking. And um, he's from Argentina, she's from Chile. And they had been set up uh, to meet in Israel for the purpose of the Shiduk, which is just so cool. Um, and I, you know, and they talked with me a bit, and he was a real gentleman. He, would, he was happy to answer questions about Shiduchim in general, but not specifically, and he was very conscious of her honor and that her privacy shouldn't be invaded, and she pretended not to understand English. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they just sort of left me more humble than, you know, than even before, and I really felt like it was an interesting situation for me because, I mean, as a Jew, to, to a certain extent, you always feel a certain amount of other, a certain amount of uh, differentiation from society at large, and yet here I am in a room completely surrounded by Jews, and I, you know, I'm not a Jew to these people. I mean, like, it doesn't matter what, that I was snipped or that, you know, bar mitzvah or, like, me, Woody Allen, and Ashton Kutcher, like, goyim. It's, there's just no distinction. There's no difference. Um, they just, they were super Jews. They really were cool. And I wanted, I wanted in on the club. And I was just sort of like mournfully leering at everybody and being weird. And, and that's when these three, there were these three guys, these like bachelors who were just like eating maki by themselves. And they invited me over to talk to them. And they, they said, you know, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, you know, I explained I explain that I'm interested in Shiduhim. And they go, it's such a coincidence. We were just talking about Shiduhim. And, you know, it turns out... It turns out that they were a year away from going on their first arranged dates, so my guess is any time you approach these guys, they're talking about shitty shitty. <laughs> um, and they were really cool, and they were just sharing their food with me, and we were hanging out, and uh, they kind of dispelled some of that intimidation I felt, and uh, I ultimately felt comfortable to ask them the question, 
that had been bothering me the whole night, which was like, what if you don't love her? I mean, how do you know when it's such an artificial setup, uh, this arrangement, and this is a person who you're, you know, and, and divorce is not easy. I mean, aren't you just terrified that you're gonna end up with somebody who you don't love? And uh, the guy, he gave me this very puzzled look and he goes, love is, you know, um, Shekhinah is, is God's presence, is love. God loves me and God will bless our marriage and if we both love God and we both love our children, then what are you talking about? Of course there'll be love. Uh, and what's, all, what's important, to, uh, we just need to meet to find out that we have the same values and that she's okay with how much I study Torah every day and <laughs> if that's fine, if she's good looking, it's a plus. <laughs> you know. And he goes, what? and then he looks at me like I'm crazy and he says to me, well, what do you think? You, you think you just by you know, getting to know lots and lots of girls, you'll, you'll fall in love? And then they all kind of <laughs> conspired and giggled at this concept. And, you know, and, and I said goodbye, and, and the night wore on, and, and everybody kind of left, and I was, I was left kind of contemplating this by myself. And, um, and that's when I realized two things. Uh, the first is that, you know, if I think that the best way to find love is to date as many women as possible, until I, you know, like randomly bump into my one true partner, then maybe I'm the one with a fanatic amount of faith. And the second thing I realized is that though I'd spent the evening surrounded by beautiful, man-hungry women, <laughs> and the only other men in the whole place were fundamentalist virgins, <laughs> I had the least chance of getting laid of any man at the David Settle Hotel. Thank you. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast, and I'm Nisha Goldman. Up next, the Committee. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are there any questions? Yes, you, ma'am. Have you felt pressure by any chance by your family and had them try to create shit ups for you? So the question is, did your family try to set you up in? I guess the short answer is no. I mean, there was a suggestion. There was some uncle who had some hippie friend from childhood who... It was one of those things where, like, he lives in Vancouver and he, his friend from childhood had a daughter who also lived in Montreal where I was living at the time and maybe if I wanted... You know, it was, you know there was no real pressure. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, you, sir, yes. Way back here? Yeah, you, all the way back, yeah. Now, what conclusion did you come to about uh, you know, the nature of faith when you're dating lost women and trying to search for the right person versus the 
Are you making him choose? You choose between one of the two? He said he contemplated it. Okay, that's true. Yeah, what happened after you contemplated it? It's a good question. I mean, I think like a lot of people, I'm sort of torn between an awareness that what I'm doing is probably foolhardy and won't lead. Is, 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 um, but I guess it has certain rewards along the way. And <laughs> I sort of... Uh, I'm content to, and, and, and I also am buttressed by the fact that everybody else seems to be indulging in the same fantasy, so um, who am I to buck the trend? You know, I mean, like, I, I think that ultimately I hope to have as strong principles about love and marriage as, as these people do, but I'm not, I'm not enforced by the amount of religious faith that they have, so I, I, I think it's a beautiful religion and there's a lot of beautiful concepts, but without that, you know, without Shekhina, how does it work? You, know? right, yeah, without, yeah, you, need, you need God's <laughs> presence, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Although, although I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say it. I mean, there's there's a sort of devil's advocate version of it, which is to say that maybe, um, maybe maybe you don't need it. That maybe love is something that like, like like for, like maybe these people do love each other, and they look like they love each other, even to those of us who, who don't believe that their love is created by an invisible superhero in the sky. Um, you know, so so maybe that still con constitutes evidence that really any two people can can love each other if they have the chance. Like, do you think that that might be true there or elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a nice, it's a nice way of thinking about it. And I think that it's, um, ultimately, it's a real, it's a more realistic way to enter into it if, if you think that the love that you have just for whatever aspect of love you have for yourself or for life in general, for whatever children you're going to have, if you can build, this is sounding like, yeah, yeah, um, sure, sounds good. You know? <laughs> right on. I like that we both, we both got really embarrassed because we were starting to talk seriously about love and you're like, no, no, no. Let's, let's back off from that difficult subject, which really has no place here. Yeah. Feel free to bring us back on track if you like. Are there any other questions? Right there on the stage. Oh, on stage. I'm sorry. You had, make like a little beeping sound I or something. I just did. I just put my hand up. All right. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. What's your question? Okay. The, this is sort of a little tangential, but That's from my cool. understanding, uh, this sort of Jewish speed dating, it, it, it's based on the idea that you should marry a Jew. So away from the arrangement of it, do you personally feel like you should marry a Jew? Excellent question. It's my own question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as a matter of principle, I, I, it would make a lot of things in my life a lot easier. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, it's not a. It's not, are, you, are you married to Jews? Is that why you laugh? <laughs> it's not a deal breaker, but like. God, I hope it just sort of works out that way, accidentally, or... And what would, it, what, would it, what would it make easier for you? What would be uh, you know, the, the, the family. The family. speak Yiddish around the house. <laughs> if she could speak Yiddish, I would be very impressed. I don't speak much Yiddish, but... Yeah, well, it depends if you don't mind dating older. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know someone? I could, I could, boy, I could hook you up, man. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be my shadchan. Yeah, so. If, you, if, if, if your thing is Yiddish speaking women, I'm like, I'm totally, I'm, I'm so, so connected. Uh, 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 but wait, so, but, but on principle, you wouldn't marry a Jewish girl, oh, Jewish woman. It's just, you'd, it'd be cool if it happened, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and then if it was, if she wasn't, I'd hope she'd convert just also for just practical, purely, like, it's, I'm just being totally honest and maybe fucking up some stuff, I don't know, but. It, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's just harder otherwise, given, and it's, it's, it may be irrational, but it's just like there are just realities that I'm functioning in if, you, if I want to have, a, you know, 
a yeah, good relationship with my family. It's just your family. Your family is the main thing. Yeah, and they're not even like really religious. They like to give you a hard time. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Once you take the the religion component out of Judaism, what's yeah? Yeah. Nice to give your kids a hard time. Yes, you sir. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, I'm wavering because you all look so. Okay. So, so given that, given that point of view on it would be good to date a Jew, it would be it would make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of things easier. Has this experience and the contemplation that sprung out of it changed your outlook uh, or, or your approach to dating? You know, this has become a really... Um, we've shared a lot on the stage tonight. And I, I just saw some shit in Israel, you know? <laughs> that was... conscious of, hmm, I kind of want to find a Jewish girl, or no? No, I think some of the, the things that were brought up earlier I made me more conscious of. Okay. Yeah. Like you're more conscious of that your, yeah. your, your courtship rituals are no more Expectations rational, about love versus what you invest in it to begin with. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, you are. Whoa, look. Yeah, question. How many women have you slept with, Jesse? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that, but it's a lot. <laughs> About, uh, about Hasidic uh, dating, I just have one more thing I wanted to bring up. Um, Are you just like introducing a conclusion? <laughs> there was just some stuff that didn't fit in. Um, <laughs> that was so not the question. No. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not truth. It, well, it's not truth or dare. I mean, we're not gonna, you know. It just stays in this room. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll tell everyone. Does someone know? Is there someone else who knows the answer to the question? Do you know? No, no. You don't know? You don't even have like a rough guess. More than three? Yeah, I believe it's um, more than four, less than 50. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere. I don't know this person. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. Um, uh, any, any, any other questions that maybe the lecturer will answer? Make, it, make them easy and unchallenging. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. Woody Allen style, given that you're you're claiming not to be particularly religious, but it would be easier. But what about tightening the dialectic since this is the side you already know? Now, why wouldn't you go Gentile or Goyim so that you've added the other 50% to your, your life and your romance? So wait, the question is maybe he specifically ought to date a Gentile girl to sort of round out his yeah. Jewish age? <laughs> My Jewish edge is now, by the way, the title of my autobiography. <laughs> so thank you. I thought I, I thought I kind of slipped that plug for you. Am I a, am I a Shiksenik? Is the question? Is that a Shiksenik? Shiksenik. That's a great one. I've opened up a can of worms that I had no intention of coming anywhere near, and. Uh, 
and we're and we're happy for it. So what? So so what do you think? Do you think that it would? Do you think that it would? That it would in some way be? Uh, I don't know. Broadening. I've actually figured out a solution because there is something about fetishizing different peoples and you know uh, the exoticness of a different. But there are Ethiopian Jews and uh, Sephardic Jews, so there's a lot of range. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, in, I'm increasingly revealing myself as, as a more and more horrible person. As we, uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Is there anything else? Anything else that people people would like to know? Does anybody? Yes. Yes. What was the significance of the elevator? You said that it was going to become apparent. Good question. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it was just the, the the theme of loopholes, of getting around the rules, of finding ways to be very modern and secular, even in approaches, or to observe the rules at the same time that you're sort of betraying the spirit of them, um, which was a device that I implanted in my presentation that obviously has failed miserably. <laughs> What equivalent mechanisms exist, given that uh, marriage is forever in Jewish society, that would sort of serve, have the same effect? Getting some some skills in bed, you know, lots of practice, variety, a different taste, kind of thing. With the educational process, I can, I can tell you what the question is. The question is, what mechanisms, if any, do people have to practice relationship skills, both communicative and sexual, if they're only allowed to have one major relationship in their life? Is that right? Well, uh, allow me to answer for the Jewish faith on this. Uh, um, I, my <laughs> I do. Th I have one thought on the subject. Um, my, my, I have one thought on the subject, which is that you know this idea that like I've 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 practiced with all these people, so now I'm ready. Uh, versus like, what if the your only sexual experience is through your partner, and your only cons you can't like eroticize without you know, all your memories and fantasies are in the context of your wife? It's actually kind of a beautiful idea that it occurred to me, and you know rather than the stuff that might go through some of our minds. Um, but I don't know anything about this. And, I, I, and much, of what I've, much of what I've said tonight is rife with uh, errors, I'm sure, which is why, and this is a better segue for this, I just wanted to, <laughs> if you are interested in this and want to know more about it, there's two websites that came up. One is uh, dossidate.com. Uh, whether Dosi Dos is a very religious person, Dosi like, like, Haredi Dosi from there's all these. So dosidate.com is uh, their, their line is whether you are modern Orthodox, Dati Lumi, Yeshivish, Haredi, Hasidish, or just plain Shomer Mitzvot. <laughs> Dosidate is the place to find your match. Um, alternately, endthemadness.org. An ambitious and unique effort to combat the angst and hardships associated with dating in the religious Jewish community. So. Take your pick. <laughs> Wait, did, this, did you try that? It was, it was, no, I actually, in my research, I encountered that website. The second lecture also. Okay. We'll see if Ulysses maybe visited there too. Yes, ma'am. How do you spell Dosi Dating? D-O-S-I-D-A-T-E dot com. It was just Israeli, but they just opened up their American service. So, so now you can own it. And as many boxes as there are for different sexual fetishes on secular online dating services, there are just as many for like, do you do two hours of Torah study a day or four hours? Like it's, 
It's just Is that really right? That's like a compa- like that wasn't a joke when you said that's like a compatibility. I don't like a guy who studies too much Torah. Like I know it's hot when a guy studies Torah. Well, the, the, but if he studies too much Torah, <laughs> yeah. These are all real issues. Like, you know, because um, because some of these people have jobs and some of them are just in yeshiva all day. And you know, the the, the um the bride's family supports the guy for years when, when he studies sometimes. Oh, yeah. So these are all issues. And there's just like so many, and you can tell the different denominations by like the way they wear their socks apparently. My, my cousin Michal was telling me, and you know, it was interesting because like to meet somebody for the first time for a date in a hotel lobby would be very forward for me to suggest with somebody. It has a certain connotation. Because it's a hotel. But my cousin Michal, if, who's orthodox but not ultra-orthodox, she told me that if a guy suggested to her a hotel, she'd think he's a total square. He'd be like way too religious for her. Because... <laughs> Right, because that means he can't go to like a coffee shop. That means they can't go eat, you know, or something like that, you know. How did the hotels feel about this? They hate it, actually. I'd imagine that, like, that's not... I was speaking speaking to the manager, and I'm like, isn't it wonderful that you get to see these couples when they meet, and they're going to embark on these lives together and go on and have, like, 20 kids, and (laughs) it happens right here, and you see it every day, and he goes, not really. Uh, (laughs) They order a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) They said... Maybe that's all you need to know about love. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. Uh, this episode's lecture was chosen by Lauren Bride. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes. That really helps out a lot. And if you like the show, come see the show in Toronto. Check out our website for dates. Uh, we will be back on May 8th with our new six-week season. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.